0: Welcome to the St. Pete Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Renew, a local real estate professional in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I help people fall in love with the Sunshine City every day. In these episodes, I sit down with local business owners and get to tell their stories. So we pull back the curtain and let you discover what makes St. Pete so special. So come along with me and let the Sunshine City warm your soul. Hey everybody, welcome to the St. Pete Soul podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Renew, back here with another awesome episode. And I am really excited to have the CEO and founder of Brick Street Farms with me today, Shannon oh, O'Malley. And Shannon's mission is to disrupt traditional ways of agriculture, bringing yep. farm to fork in cities all around the globe. And it started happening right here in St. Pete. So hi, Shannon, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Very well said, very well summarized. Yay! So thank you. Excited.
0: Cool. Well, let's kick it off with, you know, just telling the audience a little bit about you and kind of your background.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm one of the co-founders of Brook Street Farms. We started in 2016. And Brook Street Farms was designed to bring production back to the point of consumption. And mm-hmm. I kind of came up with this idea when I was working for Duke energy and I'm electrical engineering is my background and I am an also an avid gardener. So I'm originally born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was heavily into like backyard gardening up there, which is very, very different than backyard (laughs) gardening here in Florida. (laughs) So, After I bought my house, I started some raised garden beds and was kind of getting after it and realized I thought I knew how different it was. But man, oh, man, just vast difference. So between the need for soil amendments and composting because of our sandy soil down here, highly salinated water, uh, pest control heat. I mean, just night and day difference. I ended up converting my two car garage to a hydroponic grow room. Wow. Uh, just just to experiment, just to play, and that was the catalyst for Brick Street Farms. I um, had a lot more success in my climate-controlled garage,
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, started playing with all different lettuces and microgreens, flowers, tomatoes. Um, ended up growing enough food to essentially feed my block way more than my husband and I could eat at the time, and I was kind of like, I think we can do something with this. So we didn't have the money to build out a warehouse, which is what most people think about when they hear indoor farming,
0: mm-hmm.
1: big warehouses or even massive greenhouses or even smart greenhouses. So um, we're totally self-funded to start. So at that point in time, we're like, OK, well, let's get a shipping container. <laughs> okay, and so yeah. uh, Shipping containers are readily available at that time. And we needed a space that we could control and that we could build out. And so we got a few shipping containers. He and I uh, hand-built the first couple that we had. Um, He is a software architect and also co-founder Brad Doyle. So uh, he started looking at how we could apply some intelligence above, uh, above and beyond just the hydroponic systems, meaning how do we not have to like manually monitor and watch and all of these things. So kind of the marriage of the two and we built our first shipping container in late 2016. Okay. And uh, we were we were off and running
0: from there. Wow, that's so cool. So you, an electrical engineering background, mm-hmm. that is so interesting. Like it's it's interesting to hear people's backgrounds and see like how far, like how <laughs> far away you are from that original thing, but I'm sure you end up using knowledge and things you learned from that in applying it to this actually everything
1: about brook street farms is based on that so when i was doing the backyard gardening in the garage i was employed by duke energy so i worked as part of what they call the grid modernization uh program and that is all about how do we make the electric grid more stable more intelligent more capable more resilient redundant and how do we reduce generation demand. so when peak demand goes up, how do we reduce how much we has to be generated to, to fulfill that demand? Um, and so Duke Energy is very much an early adopter in some smart grid technology. And I started looking at what they utilize because it's really the only industry that's trying to get you to use less mm-hmm. or use it smarter. Yeah. And so we built those systems in to... The foundation of brick street farms from the very beginning because one of the dirty secrets that they don't like to talk about in vertical farming is energy consumption so when you replace the sun with artificial lighting you're going to have huge energy costs and um unless you are in very very rural area where you can have acres and acres and acres of solar panels uh you're going to use a lot of power from the grid. So we wanted to look at how can we reduce that? And then of course, high energy demand directly correlates to high energy costs. So the two largest costs for indoor farming is electricity or energy and labor. So we weren't in the note quite on the labor side yet, but we were like, what can we do to help make our facility smarter, more resilient and reduce energy costs? So when we started designing our platforms for our initial models. And then ultimately, if you come visit Brickstreet Street firms now, we have a whole hub operation. Um, going through that process, we expanded our energy management system to help us reduce energy demand by almost 30%. Wow. So we're uh, very, very much focused on that. And it, I mean, it's great financially and it's great for the community.
0: Wow, that's 30%. That's a huge reduction.
1: Close. Well, technically 27, but it's just 30 sounds like a nice round number.
0: Yeah. A little roundup. That's good. Cool. <laughs> that's super interesting. Um, I would love to jump back to when you said you you started with a few shipping containers mm-hmm. and that's how you like kicked off the company. Yeah. Where where were those shipping containers sitting <laughs> when that happened? It's
1: funny. Everybody has this one, like where were they sitting? And two, where did you get the shipping containers? So all of our shipping containers, one, are used reefer containers. So we use the pre-insulated refrigerator containers, the ones they use to ship frozen products across the ocean,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. all of our containers are used. And then where? So we got kind of lucky. We bought a property at 199 20th street South, which is where we're located today. It's in the warehouse arts district, like a block and a half off central right by Three Daughters Brewing. So great. everybody knows who that is. Yeah, great spot. Great, great spot, bought that in 2016. So thank God we bought back then. <laughs> and um, we were able to get an affordable, at that time, an affordable property because it was a garbage dump. Mm. It had sat pretty much unutilized and collecting commercial and industrial waste uh, for about 40 plus years. So it's like a dirt pit, no power, no water, no sewer, very uneven. And it had about 20 to 40 feet of waste just piled up. So we had 600 tires, pallets, mystery drums. I think we found found an old boat buried (laughs) um, under the property, lots of automobile parts and just all kinds of trash that you could possibly imagine. So, wow. but we bought that, spent about six months clearing it, getting everything cleared, recycled what we can, environmentally re- remediated where needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially we got back to basically net zero, a level, clean, flat piece of property, uh, but still dirt. Yeah. just dirt. Uh, brought in uh, the bare minimum water and power and dropped the first three containers.
0: Wow. So did you purchase that property for to do Brick Street Farms? Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Our our house, we live in uh, right near downtown St. Petersburg. We're in the Crescent Heights neighborhood. Yep. And so we, uh, obviously there's nowhere to put it. We looked at leasing, but we started to realize if we were going to lease, you got to start adding power and all these things. So it was a bit serendipitous that we found that property uh, for the price at the time. And it's because it was uh, misrepresented on the MLS. And so Interesting. it was miscategorized.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like and who's going to find that and want to deal with it as well. Yeah. There was no
1: signs on it. Nothing like that. It was miscategorized and it was absentee owners. So I figured the universe was putting it there. Um, we were able to purchase it. We knew it was gonna cost us. It cost us, gosh, over $60,000 just to get it cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, that's after all the closing of everything. So it was it was quite expensive to, to remediate and that's just for dumpsters. And I mean, people don't, I was very naive. I, you, you don't know what it costs to just yeah.
0: get rid of junk. Yeah, um, it sounds simple. No, it's not. Yeah, no, and it's
1: not inexpensive. So we, uh, yeah, found, found on the property, dropped the containers, built them out. Um, there was a small building on the property about the size of a one-car garage. It's 360 square feet that was dilapidated, had no roof. <laughs> um, so we fixed that building up, very small, enough to pull one car into. And that was, the entire operation was run out of about 360 square feet. Wow. It was the office, the production room, the bathroom,
0: everything. Wow. Okay. So, so share like a little bit of that growth. So you went from like, what was the, those stages of growth from three containers and a little tiny room to what you have now?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So it was a bit of a real end at the beginning. So we started with three and we were both fully employed at, at Duke energy for the first year and a half. Okay, So we were building those out. Uh, we were waking up at four o'clock in the morning. We couldn't afford employees at the time. So we were like at four, from four to like 7.30 at the farm and then go to our day jobs. And this is pre-pandemic. So yes, we're in the office all day. Get off work at 5, 5.30, go back to the farm, do the farming things or prep orders for the next day, get up the next morning, do it. And we pretty much did that for about a year and a half.
0: Wow. And we were exhausted. Grind. Oh my goodness.
1: Yes. And we had no accounts. So, I mean, I was also like on my lunch break doing sales calls to, to I, I mean, I didn't come from the restaurant industry. I had no relationships. And I just started like cold calling restaurants that I like to eat at and <laughs> said, please buy from us. You've never heard of us before, but we're right down the street. So we're awesome. I don't know what nice. We're doing, but give us a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we had some folks that jumped on board and said, why not? I don't have anything to lose. So um, after about a year and a half, I realized one of us has to quit. Like we've either got to make a go of it or shut it down. Yeah. And so I quit Duke energy and went full-time into the business with three containers. Oh. Um, the business quadrupled within a year and we were able to hire our first employee. I had uh, talked some interns into helping us out kind of in that transition from USF. And my gosh, and actually one of them's still with us today.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: But um, yeah, it was it was a whirlwind, um, but we were pretty much 100% dedicated to restaurants at that point and hospitality hotels. And we grew up to five containers working in that model on the dirt lot in like 300 square feet. Uh, had our first three employees, something like that. And, uh, we went out and sought our first outside investment because okay. agriculture, just like any type of agriculture, it's very capital intensive, Yeah, very capital intensive. And we tried to go to tr- the traditional lending route at banks and they just laughed at us because of the industry that we were in um so we went and sought outside investment and Mm -hmm. were able to bring on a a family fund office out of sarasota for the first investment and for that we grew we did some planning for the future and we grew up to 16 containers wow so we grew up to 16 We're able to invest in some software. We're able to update our website, but also through that transition, um, we started selling a little bit retail because like you mentioned at the beginning, people saw our name at restaurants and chefs were really, it was starting to snowball and they'd Google us and find out we're in the neighborhood and they literally started knocking on our door. (laughs) Like, Hey, is this a farm? And oh my so gosh,
0: that's so cool.
1: I know. And we did a couple early like on-site chef dinners like in this parking lot, like dirt pit under a tent. We had a couple local amazing chefs like cook out of the back of a truck and the people were on site and they're like, well, why can't I buy any? So we opened up the market like on Saturdays and Sunday, a market. And by that, yeah. I mean a refrigerator. like plugged into the wall in this little tiny building next to storage materials. And um, people started coming a couple hours a week. And uh, after we got the investment, we built up to 16. And then we actually went and sought another round of investment and we were able to bring on a fully subscribed $5 million equity round with Likes Brothers and they're based out of Tampa. They're one of the largest privately owned agriculture companies. Cool. Um, so what we did with that was we actually picked everything up off the dirt lot, rented a property down the street for about two years, which was no small feat. Um, built out additional containers, built the entire infrastructure that you see at 199 at the current hub, and and moved back. And so <laughs> it was uh, a crazy time.
0: Yeah. That's usually what growth looks like, right? It's like
1: this and this and this and this.
0: Yes. And valleys for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, congrats on that's a you know it's a short period of time, relatively speaking, for you to have gotten to where you are now. That's amazing. Well, let's
1: not forget that in the middle of that we went through a pandemic. Yeah. And that was uh right after we got the we got the investment from likes right at the end of twenty nineteen. And we broke ground on our new facility in February of 2020. Oh, wow. And what happened in what, April of 2020, the world shut down?
0: Yeah. So we had all
1: these grand plans, construction materials on order, uh, uh, construction labor plan. And it just went out the window. At the Mm -hmm. same time, we were almost 90% to restaurants and our entire business, we lost our entire business in 10 days.
0: Oh, geez. It
1: was a very scary moment that we just took all this money in. We had a construction plan. We were three weeks into construction. We lost 100% of our revenue and our general contractor was doing the best that they can, but they were struggling with labor. Nobody knew what this thing was. People weren't showing up to work. Who is an essential worker? Who is not? And uh, all materials. We actually had materials on the Evergreen the, the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, oh, Seriously, half of our materials were on that. Um, we, di- we didn't know if we were gonna make it. Wow.
0: That's so scary. Terrifying.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we, we, the world didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You're dealing with, you have no revenue coming in, your employees are scared, uh, but agriculture was obviously an essential business. It's not something you can't do ag from home. Yeah. So we had to we kept our employees employed. Uh, everybody had to come in, but you're still dealing with emotions and fear and um, different political views mm-hmm. on on everything, you know, with a diverse group. And, uh, wow. you know, it, it ended wow. up costing okay. us a lot more because we had to go through, you um, a lot of the funds that we had set aside for the hub, we actually had to use just to keep operations going. Mm-hmm. So the hub obviously took longer and and cost more, but we were really happy that we didn't lay anybody off. We kept everybody employed. Um, that's and awesome. then yeah.
0: you don't hear oh, that was- from everyone, so that's awesome. Scary, yeah.
1: We actually launched employer paid health insurance during that time to help oh. ease fears. So, wow. kudos. It was- <laughs> an expensive choice but uh, i think it was the right thing to do yeah but we um on the revenue side we lost because we were all hospitality and then we pivoted and i picked up the phone and called Publix, and i said um so i'm hearing you guys are having supply chain issues i just cold called every name i could get and i said so how can you can you buy some you want to buy from us we got stuff you need stuff we got stuff, your grocery store's getting, you're, you're struggling with, you know, domestic supply chains. Yeah. They can't get trucks to you. You're struggling to keep the stock shelf stocked
0: and Publix picked us up.
1: Oh, that's, and
0: um, That's a genius move on your part. That's awesome. But man, it was like.
1: I was not prepared. I didn't have (laughs) packaging. I didn't have barcodes. I didn't have the right insurance. I, I had never built a pallet before. I had no idea what a distribution center was. And they said, yeah, sure. And then they send me all the onboarding stuff. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's like what
0: what I get myself into here. (laughs) I
1: know. And I was like, okay, so figured out and we uh were in seven 678 public stores uh wow. at a much lower margin than our wholesale so it was keeping the lights on yeah um but we still have a great relationship with publix today we we love working with them they ended up putting one of our farm containers um at the publix lakeland uh the greenwise in lakeland oh cool so there's one right there on site it's all pretty and uh we're still working with them today so not quite as much. We've transitioned quite a bit back to, to hospitality, but, um, I'll always be grateful for, for that, for keeping the lights on.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely there's so many stories like that with small business owners, when the pandemic or any kind of other, you know, event happens where you just have to pivot and figure out what am I going to do next? And you did that. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: I mean, you're sitting on acres and acres and thousands of pounds of product that are going to go bad in seven days yeah. um uh, you gotta figure out what to do with it and that was also the precipice for me starting to push more retail yeah um i kind of made a makeshift store in the warehouse that we were renting uh, it was terrible for foot traffic it was just the absolute worst yeah not on a main street You had to go through a parking lot like the like, away. Just, like it was like, where's Waldo finding this place? <laughs> but um, that's that's where we we started to push because people were nervous about going to grocery stores and wanted to buy local, and so we we did this thing, and now it's a it's a core part of of who we are now and, and the current hub in St. Pete. Yeah, how does
0: the um, how does the retail work? Because I think I saw memberships on the website.
1: So it's open to the public. You do not, you do not have to be a member to shop there. Make sure like to stress that. No. Uh, But membership gets you a lot of perks. We are open Wednesday to Sunday. We're right on 20th street South. Um, It is not meant to be a grocery store. Think of it kind of as like a bougie bodega. (laughs) We are very produce focused. We are local focused. We have all of our products, a lot of other local farms that are seasonal. We have local meat pork, chicken, eggs, raw milk, and a lot of other pantry stables from other makers in not only Tampa Bay, but the Southeast region of the U.S. So we try to keep it local Mm -hmm. as much as possible. And uh, yes, you can come in and shop. Uh, It's great. Farm to fork. I mean, everything that's in our refrigerator from us was harvested the day before. So nice and fresh.
0: Wow.
1: You can get a couple of other great things that you need for the house, but... If you do decide to join our membership, um, it's our nine dollars a month membership. It's actually not a membership fee; it's a charitable contribution. Okay, and that's important to note one because of tax benefits, but also I started Desert Farms Foundation.
0: Yes, I wanted to and ask I, you about that.
1: So, yeah, that's our uh, five hundred one fully registered five hundred one c three, and it's the tagline is nutritional wellness for all. Hmm. So what Desert Farms Foundation does is take those membership fees or the the charitable contribution, and we use that to donate fresh produce into food deserts, hence the plan, the name. Uh, Particularly right now, we're focused on Tampa Bay. So your $9 a month allows us to donate fresh produce to Feeding Tampa Bay. Reach St. Pete is one of our great partners over here. Uh, The Boys and Girls Club. Uh, YMCA and then we've got some other families that we work with direct Mm -hmm. so that's what your $9 a month does but as a thank you because we are eternally grateful for those memberships uh, you get some great perks at at the farm so you get 10% off everything you buy all the time all our buy one get ones Are exclusive for memberships. You also get, actually, today is double discount day. So everything in the store is 20% off today, once a month. Um, But the really cool thing that we provide to the community or those that choose to be members is unlimited access to our water system.
0: Okay. So.
1: If you use any type of bottled water or filtered water, one of our the key elements on the techie side of our farm is our water proprietary water management system. So our farm it is not connected to the sewer system. We have no runoff, no chemicals, no pesticides. And we have a four part reverse osmosis filtration system that ends up with a highly oxygenated RO water. Well, if you remember, we have a self-service tap on the front of our store and you get unlimited RO-filtered water. Huh, okay. So if you buy Zephyr Hills, or you buy any type of bottled water, or you, or you want access to it, then, um, I mean, that's a huge benefit because it's 68 or $69 a month for a Zephyr Hills membership. So, yeah.
0: I mean, we literally have that, my husband and I, so yes. So,
1: I mean, you got to come get it yourself, but yeah. it's, uh, so a lot of people join for the water membership and then realize all the other great things that they get.
0: That's so cool. Well, I I don't think I realized that the membership went back into the foundation. So that's yes, amazing.
1: It's directly correlated. So that nine dollars goes
0: directly to Desert Farms Foundation. Wow. That's so cool. So Thank so you. you've got memberships with these amazing perks and then it's open to the public as well. So you could just come in and shop like a little mini market kind of thing. Yeah.
1: If you're looking for local meat, eggs, dairy, other produce, like we work with Meacham Farms in Tampa. We work with Florida Fruit Co-op. So if you're looking for a place that, you know, you want to know where your food comes from, we're, we're, we're definitely the place to shop.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So for people that people that don't really understand anything about Urban farming and yeah. kind of what you're doing. Maybe share yeah. a little bit on the differences with what you're doing compared to traditional ag- agriculture, you know, right. some of that stuff.
1: Sure. Well, as I mentioned, all of our farms are built into shipping containers. So we use upcycled shipping containers. Our model uses 90% less water and 27% less energy. So yeah. that's where sort of it's um, And we do that by, it's not only vertical farming. So there are rows of crops inside of our farm containers, uh, which is fully climate controlled. So we're as much a tech company as we are a farming company. So mm-hmm. every farm container, every shipping container has a ton of sensors in it. Those sensors monitor and control temperature, humidity, CO2 levels, artificial sunrise and sunset, the light spectrum of the lights that are growing in plants. We use high efficiency LED lights, the nutrients, the makeup of the nutrients, the, uh, the pH and electron uh, EC or electrical conductivity of the water, which is how many nutrients are in there, uh, water flow, everything. And so we control all of that actually with an app on the phone, wow. uh, which we worked with a company called GrowLink to develop and not only are they vertical inside the container, but the containers themselves are stacked on our property. So we have two stories. If you come by and check it out, um, they're stacked, which allows us to grow an extraordinary amount of production in a very small space. Yeah. So a 300 so our shipping containers are eight feet wide by 40 feet long, okay. and nine and a half feet tall, They're wow. called high cubes. We are growing between two and three acres worth of crops per shipping container every 28 days. So our property as a whole is between 60 and 70 acres, and the property is 12,000 square feet, but our shipping containers are only on 6,000 square feet. Wow. And we're growing 60 to 70 acres every 28 days on 6,000 square feet.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's (laughs) great.
1: yeah as like as i mentioned the water system before so the water system that's available to members is the same water that we use in the farms and so what's important about that is one we are not connected to the sewer system we reclaim refilter reuse all of the water from the farms but what is so cool about that is that we only use 25 gallons per farm container per day for two to three acres (laughs) okay so let me let me give you some comparison for that which is like okay that's yeah. about a shower that's less than a shower's worth of water if your okay. shower is seven minutes or less uh you're fine but if your shower's over seven minutes you're using over 25 gallons. okay so kind of a comparison but mm-hmm. according to the usda the average acre of leafy greens like romaine heads uses a thousand gallons of water per acre per day and it's lost wow so that's controlled environment agriculture for you Uh, now as far as lighting is concerned so we control absolutely everything in there and then we use that data to make smart forecast decisions to help us grow the healthiest plants the fastest that we can so everything in agriculture success financial success is based on weight and speed of production so how fast can you grow it how heavy can you grow it and so our plants each shipping container farm, which we have 20 of them on the property, is like a spa day for the plants that are inside of it.
0: <laughs> huh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, that's a cool are, about it. completely tailored. So our romaine, our crunch love, our butterheads have the exact nutrients and climate for that particular crop. And you wouldn't think that there's A lot of difference but i can tell you what kale wants and what butterhead wants are two very different climates yeah
0: yeah that makes sense yeah Um, that's so it's just so unique like it's kind of hard to yeah it's hard to wrap your head around it but when you start comparing things to traditional farming you know with the gallons of water use i mean it's like whoa that's mind blowing the differences and the way that you're bringing sustainability at like a really high level. So I think a key
1: piece, so that's like our property itself, but another key difference is, I mean, did you know that your average produce has traveled almost 1600 miles to get to the end point and has gone through five hands from the farm to the grocery store?
0: No, I did not know that there was that many steps.
1: (laughs) Yes, so it goes from the farmer to a wholesaler, to a distributor, to grocery, and then ultimately to your house. And that's a simplified. Now, if you add inter- anything international coming in, it's, mm. it's it's way more complex. And even distributors, it can even go through two different distributors. So there's called, uh, the United States has what's called produce terminals. Uh, our, there's a produce terminal in Tampa. So, but there's pretty tam- a terminal in Atlanta, South Carolina. I mean, there, there's about 16 of them across the United States. Okay, So you have a distributor that takes it to the terminal that then goes to a secondary local distributor <laughs> before it ends up wherever it goes. Yeah. So there can be two distributor steps through it. And in that time it's on trucks and exposed to the air, to cold storage, back on trucks to cold storage. And the average age of produce is 17 days old by the time it gets to the end, to the, and that's the grocery store. Then how long does it sit on the shelf? So wow. um, we don't do any of that. We are farm to fork in 36 hours or less. We do most transportation ourselves, not all. And we stay within a hundred mile radius. So our produce is harvested, packaged, and at the grocery store, the restaurant, or your house in less than 36 hours. So we've completely eliminated that carbon impact of transportation. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the produce is full of nutrients when you're eating it and it hasn't had what's called nutrient degradation, which is what occurs as produce ages.
0: Yeah, oh my goodness. See, that's the thing, you know, the average person doesn't know any of this stuff. And so we don't know that we're, you know, it's like just the way our food industry has become and yeah. the environmental impacts, but also the health impacts of it. You're not getting as nutrient as food as you, you, know, as you should because yeah. the vegetables have been sitting there for yeah. so long. Um, wow, yeah. I mean, just the length of that distribution is crazy.
1: Well, this is something I could talk about all day, but <laughs> it gets even more absurd when you start looking at artificially ripened products, hmm, so yeah. they can be ripened um, with, with like using gas. So different types of gases are used to artificially ripen apples, bananas, all different kinds of things. Well, you know, that, that means you're not even picking the product at, at ideal times, but yeah. it even hasn't had time for the nutrients to develop. Uh, But if we look specifically at the leafy green industry, lettuces are very susceptible to pesticides and fungicides and sprays. I mean, they have a very porous skin that absorbs whatever's put on them. And so you have to be very cautious about washing those. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where you must have your Listeria and E. coli breakouts. And if you don't know where that comes from, that comes from poo. And that can either be from the field, the truck, the distributor, anywhere along the line. We have eliminated that because we have no animal products of any kind. And we're in a very sanitary A-plus GAP certified facility from the USDA. All of our employees wear PPE equipment, you know, while they're in there. But if you're buying bagged lettuce, so you like the convenience of bagged lettuce, you can just pull it out of the bag and put it on the plate. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that stuff has touched even more hands going through a processing facility mm-hmm. to get chopped up and it's two, three, four times bleach washed. So if you yeah. put it under a blacklight, you're going to see the bleach residue, <laughs> but it meets human consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. your wash-free lettuce is covered in bleach under safe levels. and. Yeah. Unlike ours, you can come to our store, buy the baby greens or the butterhead or the romaine or whatever you want, and it's still in its petite, but it's in its holy form. It was picked 15 feet away, packaged. (laughs) It's less than 36 hours old, typically less than 24. And because we use no pesticides or chemicals, we are certified wash-free because nothing touched it. Wow. So you can still take it right from the tub, right to your plate. So you get the convenience, but you get such a better product.
0: Oh, that's so interesting! I didn't realize that it would be certified wash free because of your steps and your process. <laughs>
1: we, we we don't ha- we don't even have that stuff on the property. It's it's grown in a environmentally controlled container. Our employees are we all of our farmers use masks and they always did even before that gloves, hairs back, uh, and it goes our production room is 10 feet away (laughs) so all the product goes in a sealed container goes into our production room it's packaged by people wearing the same things you're not in a field you're not on trucks and then it goes into our cold storage until it's on our delivery truck or or right into our market wow so it's it's the simplicity of it is shocking
0: yeah you're I I feel feeling convicted over here. I'm going to like, I'm going to come shop and only buy vegetables from you now.
1: (laughs) I mean, at least buy your greens. You you can come by and, and uh, try it out. They're going to taste better. They're going to last longer in your fridge. So you buy any of those greens, like the bagged greens. Say there's a buy one, get one at the grocery store. You buy one, you open it up, you use it. What? Three, four days later, it's gross and soupy on the bottom. It's because it's old. Yeah, it's very, very old, Um, and it's gone through so many different temperature changes, which lettuces are very delicate to that. Um, Ours, you go on a two week vacation, come back, and still eat it.
0: That's amazing. Okay, that right there should just encourage everyone (laughs) to to buy from you.
1: It's it's um and you know our price point is reasonable you know we're in that organic price point category, but you're not going to have any waste. So, no. yeah, you kind of to kind of bring it back to that um, disrupting agriculture. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think people are becoming more aware of is food waste, particularly in America. And I don't know if anybody's aware, but over thirty percent of produce in America ends either rots in the field or ends up in the trash can. So mm-hmm. you buy it, and I'm notorious for it with avocados. I buy avocados at the grocery yeah. store. I'm gonna eat it. And they got a two second, you know, time limit. Yeah. And that's it. So yeah. what happens is the most of the lettuce you buy just ends up in in, in the garbage can. So our farm itself has less than five percent food waste. Meaning when we harvest, 95% of that product is edible and not only edible, but gorgeous. Yeah. And so we have very lo- have uh, very low food waste. And because our product lost so long in your refrigerator, you're going to eat it in two weeks. Like, you know, maybe you fell off the salad bandwagon for a couple of days, but it's going to be there when you're ready. Yeah. Uh, so you're certainly going to get through it. But we don't have droughts freezes, rains, infestations. Um, A lot of farmers have to plant at least 30% more than what they plan to sell, more than their demand, because, I mean, some of these, the the heat wave we're having now.
0: Oh, yeah. You can
1: have a uh, rainstorm that comes through and floods your fields. You can have a grasshopper outbreak. I mean, you can have, you know, anything, uh, powdery mildew, all kinds of things that come out, that affect your crops and so then look at what's lost in transportation you know what's lost on that truck and in that Mm -hmm. cold cold
0: storage unit um we just don't have that yeah yeah that's super cool well i love it i mean i definitely i'm gonna come check you guys out because i've never i haven't been to your facility so definitely want to check it out
1: well come on down
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: certainly hope you would consider the membership as a way way to support the community. And one of the questions we get all the time is, when can I get a tour? Can I get a tour? Can I get a tour? Can I see the inside of the farms? Well, we are, we take our sanitation extremely serious. So our farms are not open to the public. So I just want to clear that you can see the store and you can see the outside of the containers. But if you want to see the inside, you're going to have to follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Or uh, YouTube, yeah, to see the inside, unless you are a member, and we have member-only events where okay. we do educational sessions and tours. So we did a we did a big one for memberships on Earth Day. Cool, um, but um, tours are exclusive to members. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. That's controlling, nice. controlling it. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: we absolutely control it, and we only really we select one container for it and then we have to go through a full sanitation. So <laughs> goodness, we are, you pre, be prepared to wear your mask and your hairnet.
0: Yeah. Your tours. There you go. Well, I'd love to ask what would be some like long-term, you know, vision for the company or some dreams or anything in the works, you know, that you would like to share. Always, <laughs>
1: Always. <laughs> Well, Like I said, we just completed this hub in, uh, it was officially completed in November, 2022, so we're seven or eight months into this hub. Mm -hmm. Uh, we opened our first half of the hub in August. The whole full hub was opened in November of 2022. Our next plan right now is we are working to raise capital. We are doing another fundraise right now. Mm -hmm. And we are uh, looking to raise quite a bit so that we can open a second hub. Okay. So we are looking at, we have a lot of demand. The hub model for Brick Street Farms is built intentionally um, to be decentralized. So our hub service is about 100 miles. So we're not going to start, we're not going to keep building at the same hub and then ship 500 miles, you know, or whatever the distance is to Miami. Yeah. So we're looking to raise funds that we can kind of copy and paste what we have in CP in Tampa, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Uh, we have a lot of demand for our product on the East Coast because a lot of restaurant partners that we work with here have other concepts or relationships down there. And they're wow. like, why, why can't we get this down there? We don't have to wash it. It's safer. It's, it lasts longer. Um, so right now we are in a fundraising round. Um, if anybody was interested, you got to send them my way, but yes, we're, we're looking for a pretty massive raise at this point in time. And the goal for that will be to build a second hub here in Florida.
0: Very cool. That's yeah. I can see how you would have, you know, once word gets out about this and like you're saying restaurants that have other concepts down in Miami, which is definitely popular. Yeah. I can see how they. They want it down there too.
1: (laughs) And and I didn't realize this going into it, but the hospitality industry is like living in a small town. Everybody seems to to know everybody, the chefs, the kitchen staff,
0: the owners.
1: Um, So they've even talked us up a little bit and have associates uh, because we work with some pretty big restaurant groups here in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. and so um we've had some requests for the east coast uh we hope to get there um but no we're not interested in shipping the product
0: yeah absolutely so well i just yeah i love i love hearing more in detail about what you're doing because it's you know again like what we were talking about earlier so many people just don't even know they don't know where their food comes from they don't know all of these all these unnecessary steps that are out there and you're eliminating that. And, you know, it's such, it's just a win, win, win for everyone. Like it's a win for the environment. It's a win for people. It's a win for restaurants. It's a win for you, obviously. Cause you know, yeah. you're thriving with the business. Like that's yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's um, so, like I said, even though we sell to grocery and hospitality, you know, retail is still the minority part of our business. Um, so I'm so thankful to have this opportunity to be on your podcast to get the word out because we really want to drive shoppers in our store and on our website. If you live in city of St. Pete and even just outside, we do home delivery, Okay, next day home delivery. Uh, we're actually launching a brand new website in two weeks that is going to be all, like you can go there today and look, but we're relaunching the entire site in two weeks. So... first week of august Mm -hmm. um which is going to be super easy and streamlined app friendly all of that uh but you know we really want the community to come in and get to know us and support us and then we've got a ton of other local farms in our store Uh, a lot of great there's a lot more products in the store than you will find online so
0: yeah very cool okay everybody you heard it you gotta, you gotta get out there and support. Yeah, support,
1: support, support your small business. That's, can't, but St. Pete's been pretty good about that.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, St. Pete's special in that way, for sure. Yeah, we, we are very, very appreciative, so. I'd love That's to right. ask this, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. say i love to ask the question of what's a typical day look like for you? Just kind of peek, let everyone peek behind the curtain.
1: Oh my goodness, that's so funny. It's like you wake up with what you think your day is going to be (laughs) and you think you have your priorities in line, like maybe even make your list the night before. But when you work on a farm, whether it's traditional farms or an indoor farm, it's like you make plans and God laughs. (laughs) That is my day. Um, So... Uh, we have a staff of about 32 employees. So there's a lot going on. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Plants are on a schedule. So you think it's very predictable. Uh, We have a very sophisticated hub, meaning between electrical systems, network, HVAC. We have 26 different HVACs, um, quite a bit. So you go in with this plan there's the things you have to get done in normal business operations like harvesting sanitation mm-hmm. production prep for delivery that's like it but then you had several call-offs from employees that day or you had your truck broke down or blew a tire or uh spectrum probably should have said them decided that they're having network issues which yeah. is very very frequent all yeah. the time or um, one of your HVACs is not cooling. So yeah. it's, uh, you've got your normal things to do, but as a co-founder and very hands-on CEO, um, I wear many, many hats. Yep. From electrician, to HVAC tech, to network support, to mentorship and coaching for younger, new employees that are new to the workforce we have mm-hmm. a lot of we have a very young staff
0: mm-hmm.
1: to um what did i do i spent 30 minutes fixing our card reader in our store this morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i did that i i did that and I, I i had to take a van to get a patch on the tire yesterday
0: no yep.
1: so it's it's not glamorous um you know we had a flat tire and, and how to get it fixed but yeah. that's, that's it. Um, And since my husband and I designed the systems, we do have phenomenal managers uh, that have been with us for a long time, but nobody's going to know the system like we do. So there is a point where, you know, it escalates high enough. It it ends up in my lap.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. Like I said, wearing different hats, that's part of I
1: fix electrical systems and I take out the trash and (laughs) I design websites and I coach staff about attendance policies and uh, meet with our board of directors. So we have five key stakeholders and I have financial reporting and board meetings every two weeks. Um, All the fun things. I that's my typical day. I, we've got the normal business operations, but then there's something fun every day.
0: Yeah. Hey, but that's, you know, or you get to do
1: podcasts or you get to do podcasts. So that's great.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say, that's what, you know, people start businesses because they don't want their, their days to be monotonous. Right. So you're getting, getting what you asked for.
1: (laughs) There's a saying I heard that says an entrepreneur is a person to work a hundred I work a hundred hours a week. So they don't have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else.
0: <laughs> yes. That
1: is very it
0: accurate. Is,
1: it is very, very true. Especially when you work uh, with a company that has a perishable product. Yeah. So
0: absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um keeps me on my toes and I'm, and I, here I am ready, crazy enough to open a second one. I know. So yeah. here, you know, let's, let, let's hope, you know, we have a successful raise. It's uh, a te- just people, we're not doing GoFundMe. This is a 10 million plus raise that we're looking for. Uh, you know, our hubs are minimum $5 million a piece plus land acquisition costs. So yep. this is, you know, this isn't a hot dog cart. So,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's, it's, a got real got deal. A,
0: yeah.
1: it's got a pretty big capital. And, and agri- but agriculture is like that. So just to give you a comparison, You know, agriculture, they buy their seeds, their fuel, their fertilizers, and you have to buy all of that. And you've got to do all the work and labor costs to plant it. And you might maybe get a return, you know, six months down there, you've got your tractors and your refrigeration and your, even though we're indoors, we still have that same industry. You know, you've got a very heavy investment up front to reap the rewards down the road. This is not a software application. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, or a or a subscription service. So indoor ag, agriculture in general has very high capital costs up front
0: and then yeah. you got to wait for the rewards. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I have some fun questions I always like to okay. ask for sure. the end of my episodes, kind of get like a hot take on some things. Okay. Which I think this would be interesting for you to answer because you service so many of the local restaurants. So, some first question is: What's your favorite spot to go to for a night out?
1: I'm gonna get in so much trouble for answering this question. <laughs> I mean, um, you, know,
0: you can pass if it's you know. I don't want to get you in trouble. So, okay,
1: how about this? I'm gonna give you a couple of my favorite restaurants. Okay, um, okay. Baba's on Central.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I am addicted to their, to their food and their hummus special every week. So, and we just love the environment and they are one of our customers. Yeah. So Baba's on Central is certainly one of our favorites. Um, I am not embarrassed to admit how frequent I eat at Naked Farmer uh, (laughs) because of their, their grab and go and their online ordering is great. Plus they are a huge supporter of us. They're one of our largest customers. We are the green space. For them and we do a lot of herbs so anybody's eating at a naked farmer but their food is delicious and jordan johnson the the founder and ceo over there um has done incredible work with local sourcing um so that is a frequent takeout from us okay and then if we want to get to an you know a an elevated cuisine or a or a higher end we work with all the casper restaurants so that's library oxford exchange stovall house um i'm a sucker for the library's brunch
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um that's a good one and then the oxford exchange over in tampa or okanola chef ann oh my god she does so many phenomenal things so night out i'm probably at Baba's or okanola Okay.
0: All right. Where's Okanola?
1: I what, had to name those other ones too because they're so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. No worries. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with Okanola. Is that in Tampa as well? It's in Armature Works. Armature Works, okay. In
1: Armature Works, they do lunch and dinner. Um, strongly. Oh but, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're in Armature Works. Oh my god, the the establishment is stunning. But Chef Ann has just done a phenomenal job, so go for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about your favorite pizza place? There's two. Okay. For wood-fired pizza and eating on site, Pizza Box on Central. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's phenomenal. (laughs) Uh, For old school, greasy pizza. um, And they're not one of our customers, but it's Paisano's on 4th. Okay. All right. So they've been there 70 years, and they've got wood paneling and Bud Light signs. But (laughs) you're going to find a Little League team sitting there and some old school St. Pete locals. Yeah. But um, Pizza Box, and Pizza Box is my husband's favorite. Uh, But if we're gonna get it to go, it's gonna be Paisano's.
0: Okay, all right, last question. When you get that coveted day off, how are you spending it? When you're a business owner, even when you're off,
1: it's hard to be off. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit I've struggled with um, turning off and managing work-life balance and managing stress. So I've made a concerted effort the last couple of years to take a day off. Yep, nice. So it's embarrassingly simple when I really get a day. Uh, My home is my sanctuary. I've made it a place that I wanna be. We have rescue dogs. So I spend time with them. And if you're familiar with Crescent Lake Park Mm -hmm. or Coffee Pot Boulevard, you can find me jogging with one, of, with my dog, Sam, who's the best running partner ever um, at one of those two places relaxing at home or probably at one of the more casual like food establishments around town. So yeah. we'll hit up, you know, one, one of the places on central or downtown, or even maybe like the old Chataway or something like that. And, uh, yeah. Um, lots and lots of sleep. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds
0: wonderful. (laughs)
1: But that's not, it's not exciting, but, um, let's just call it, you know, saving your sanity as a
0: business owner. It's just, recharges your batteries. Yes. Yes.
1: Whatever the buzz term is for recentering. So it's, it's home, it's park, it's coffee pot, it's the dogs. So.
0: Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Well, Shannon, this was such a, such a enlightening conversation. I think I'll say for me, I can say that. And I think that would be the case for anyone listening or watching this. Uh, Just, I mean, I admire what you're doing and hopefully more people learn about it and support you because it's, you know, the sustainability piece on its own is really important. And then you think about, the health side of it, you know, for us to eat healthy, you know, healthy greens and support local farmers and and all that. So yeah, just kudos to you for what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity and a platform to share this. I'm seven years into this and I am even more excited about it now because I feel like I know what I'm doing now. (laughs) I was, you know, seven, six, seven years ago I was blissfully naive. Um, I didn't understand the complexities, but we've developed great partnerships. Oh my gosh, I was in the market earlier today. And when I see customers that have been with us for so long and they're still excited to like come in and shop, I'm like, we're doing something really special. And I really want more and more people to experience it and hopefully make us part of their routine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, you heard it. You got to go support Brick Street Farms. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again. And, um, you know, yeah, much success and success with your round of fundraising for the new hub. Thank Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. more information about this episode and others, please visit my website, britneyrenew.com. You'll find more information about me, my passion for St. Pete and real estate there. Look forward to connecting with you soon. Bye friends.